Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, December 11th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to have a writer's room discussion and try to decide on what the 100 best movies of the last decade are. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Paul. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Writer Squad Trambouille. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. So this is going to be madness because we, we, <laughs> we all love movies. We all love movies from the last 10 years. And I'm and uh, we, we, we each like submitted our top 100 movies and we submitted them to Jacob and he put them together and compiled a list of how many movies did it end up being? Uh, actually, we all submit lists of, of 50 films or 50 each. Movies. Otherwise, if we submit 100. Peter, submit more than we were supposed to. <laughs> did you cheat? Uh, Peter did not cheat, I promise. But the fun thing here is that there could have been a maximum total of 300 nominations if each of us submitted 50 different movies. But there was enough crossover that the final list of nominees for the top 100 films of the decade by SlashFilm.com is 163 films. So a little over halfway crossover there, which is which is very, very interesting. Uh so if you listen to our Writer's Room podcast in the past, we're going to follow a similar thing here. Our goal is to end this podcast with 100 films locked in, and we'll figure out the actual order off off the air through some you know blind voting and blind ranking. So here, we're just figuring out the top 100, which means picking 100 films or cutting 63 films, whatever it ends up being. Uh, so we're going to have a brief start soon with some uh, initial busy work. But the basic gist of this will be we're going to go around a circle. Each person is going to pick a movie to, to try to argue for. And we have a discussion about it, and we either get put it in or it gets you know temporarily left out. And at the end of this, we'll have a list, and we'll be going along in rotation, and we'll do the best we can to keep this accessible and happy. But you know what? Um, if some people get angry and tempers flare, good dramatic podcast listening, right, guys? <laughs> yes. yes. Sh- should we All include right. this full list in the podcast notes so that people can see the? Hundred and what sixty something odd. Hundred and sixty three. Yeah, I mean, we, we theoretically could read the whole list right now, but that's a long list. <laughs> yeah, that that would not be compelling. To, uh, you know, podcasting people yeah. need to hear me get outvoted for it to be compelling. So, 
so yeah, please follow along in, in the show notes for the complete list. Otherwise, you know, when we announce a new movie, either for consideration or non-consideration, we'll make sure the title is clear. So you can follow along as best you can if you're driving, you know, or running or doing something where you can't look at your notes. Uh, so I think we should just dive in, guys. But before we officially fully get into the whole meat of this, the arguing, I have a series of yes or no questions for the group. Uh, and if anybody says no, you know, that's fine. But I think this will give us a, a good start. And uh, So, so if someone at, says no, it's going to be side-tabled for later? Yeah, yeah. But looking at the list of movies here. There are four films that received nominations from all of us, meaning it was on all six lists. And one of those movies is Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. So I'm going to propose right now that Arrival gets automatically bumped up into Locked In. Does anybody disagree with that notion? Nope. Nope. All right. Uh, while I'm doing this, HT, give us one sentence on why Arrival is a remarkable movie. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> We're not putting you on the spot, HT. <laughs> um. I think it's just a an ode to the goodness in humanity and how we can um, be better and uh, better humanity through just like optimism and um, the well, hold on, I'm just like rambling right now. I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, it's, it's great. tough trying to put it in one sentence. <laughs> yes, yeah. um, smart, it's smart, about... beautiful, humane sci-fi, right? HD. Beautiful, humane sci-fi and about how uh, optimism and love can transcend any language barriers. All right. Uh, the next film to receive votes from all of us uh, is Christopher Nolan's Inception. Would anybody disagree with Inception being automatically locked into the top 100? No. Absolutely not. Not. Okay. Ben, you sound passionate. Why is Inception a top 100 movie? I love this movie. Uh, it is – you know, I've heard so many complaints about how this movie is just like uh, exposition heavy – but I think the audacity and the ambition of the thing overwhelms any nitpicks you might have with the structure. The the final, like, I don't know, it, there's like a 40-minute chunk in the movie where everything is climaxing. All the different timeline or, or uh, you know, dream levels are taking place at the same time. The cross-cutting, the editing, uh, it all, the Hans Zimmer score, I mean, everything just works in such perfect concert with one another. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's spinning hallway fight is like one of the crazy craziest things uh in any you know action movie that i've seen in a long long time so um yeah this movie is like so ambitious it has to be in here yeah, the next film that we see votes from all of us is the social network david fincher's film surely known yes the social yes network. yes yeah, this no. needs to be on there uh peter why is the social network a great movie you know this is a film it's a great film it's it's fantastically directed it's one of the best scripts of the last 10 years but i also think it like says something greater about the last decade uh you know uh, it says something about a generation it says something about our world it uh you know th that score is just amazing i listen to that score every week like that that score by trent Reznor and atticus ross is just like kick-ass uh i you know there's not enough i can there's not enough good things I could say about this movie. Yeah, I think this is one of the best movies of the past decade for sure. And speaking of that, the last film to receive votes from all of us is a controversial one, uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I, I know this one will, may rank differently on people's personal lists, but I think we all agree it's in the top 100, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this one. I'll be the one to, to send this one off. And I think Ryan Johnson did a brave thing. This is a brave film in that he – 
he made a Star Wars movie that interrogates Star Wars, that dissects Star Wars, and I don't think we'll ever see a movie quite like it again due to the mixed reaction. I think the people may try to play Star Wars as safe, you know, enjoyable, wonderful, warm junk food from now on. And The Last Jedi represents this period where something truly bold happened in the most popular franchise of all time, and I, I'm continually thrilled by it. By the right, way, so- I, I don't think things have to be on either side of that equation, Jacob. They don't need to be bold, subversive, or be like, you know, not challenging in the least. They just need to be in the middle somewhere. <laughs> All right. F- fair, Peter. All right. So going on to the next tier before we break this up, uh, films that received nominations from all but one of us, I think, could possibly be bumped up automatically. And the first of these is Jordan Peele's Get Out. This is on my personal list. and I'm not so sure who did not vote for it, but since five of us voted for it, can we all agree that maybe Get Out should get bumped right up? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris uh, why is Get Out going on this list? I mean, Get Out is uh, sort of like a phenomenon. It kind of came out of – I felt like it came out of nowhere. And it was, you know, it was Jordan Peele's first feature directorial film, and no one really knew what to expect. And it came out – it came and it blew everyone away because not only was it a very cool genre picture, not only was it a very cool horror movie, it also had something to say. It was this very biting, sharp social commentary, and it, it proved that – you can still make horror movies that say something, you know, don't get me wrong. I love dumb, pointless, violent horror movies, but whenever there's a horror movie that actually has something to say, I get very excited because it shows how, how far reaching the genre can be when people take it seriously. All right. Uh, the next film that we have received five out of six nominations is our second David Fincher film of this called pack cost already. And that's gone girl. Uh, is anyone would anyone here be opposed to Gone Girl be automatically bumped up? No, nope, nope. Mm-mm. All right, Brad, I heard you speak up first. Uh, why is Gone Girl great? Uh, much in the same way that the Social Network has more to say than just being about the founding of Facebook, Gone Girl is something more than just what on the surface feels like a somewhat trashy thriller. Uh, David Fincher provides commentary on the state of media and and the justice system and the the portrayal of how people uh must seem in in the media as far as like becoming uh depicted in a way that is uh gives them sympathy and makes them appear like they shouldn't be convicted of crimes and things like this and on top of that it kind of has this uh nuanced commentary and portrayal of of marriage as well albeit in a very uh, twisted sort of way. And so there, there's a lot of layers to it, and I think that it's just a, a very smart movie. You know, right, you, uh, you know, you, you, your pitch for this, Brad, makes me want to rewatch this film. I loved it when it came out, but I don't think I've watched it since, you know, the Time's Up Me Too movement started. Not that that is directly related to this film, but I feel like it might make, it might be, it might view it in a different eyes after, you know, in, in today's society. Yeah, if you haven't seen it since it came out, I would definitely recommend rewatching yeah. it because it's yeah, it's a great movie. Okay, the next film with five uh, nominations out of the six of us is Pixar's Inside Out. My pick for the best Pixar film of them all. So that's where I stand. This one should go right up there. Who disagrees or agrees? That should definitely be in there. Uh, uh, <laughs> ooh, Peter. Oh wow! Whoa, whoa! Hey, what? Hey, what? I mean, maybe if the top one hundred of the last ten years, yeah, sure. 
<laughs> maybe the list we're actually putting together right now maybe <laughs> i don't know i i don't quite agree that it's the best pixar movie ever made that the claim that jacob said but no it is <laughs> uh ht why is inside out going up to the top 100 uh, Inside Out was an interesting Pixar movie because it was one of the first to present a story with no villain. And instead, instead it went into the psyche and the inner uh, workings of this young girl's mind and um, gave ma- manifested the idea of like emotions as actual uh, talking, living, breathing things. And it um, was able to give a... Um, tangible feeling to the idea of this greater sense of emotion than what other Pixar movies have had accomplished before. That happy, sad, that idea that nothing has to be one or the other, that the idea that there is something more to life than just being one uh, emotion. And that's what I think Inside Out achieves so well. All right. The next one is a film that I thought for sure would get six nominations, but only had five, and that is Mad Max Fury Road, which has to be in our top 100, right, guys? It has to yes. be. Yes. No. <laughs> I'm not even kidding on this one. I, I do you not – I'm not a fan really, of – Did you really leave this off your list? Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of Mad Max. I feel like there's no story here. The action is incredible. Like, visually, it's amazing. But, like, as a story, it's – it's there's nothing there. And I, fact, I, I know I'm fact, in the minority here uh-huh. in this world. Jesus. The right. fact that the story is so simple is what is half of what makes this movie so great. It doesn't need to be complex. Like on like, on the surface, yeah, sure, it's just a big long chase, but there's so much more to it because of the characters like Furiosa and and on all. I don't of think the, that she oh, has much to her either. I, I really, you're, you're a monster. What are you talking about? It's simplicity, Peter. It's something that challenges the audience, but also lets them. How does it challenge um, the audience? It's just like action. It's it's but it's more than the action. That's the thing. It's, but what it's is it challenging? Allows the story to build from the moments in between and from like what is unsaid, and that's what's so powerful about it is that it's not just hand holding the audience by giving you tons of exposition about where these characters are and who where they come from, but it allows you to sort of live with these characters and get to know them through their I, actions. So I that, feel like there's kind of less telling is something. There's less character like in this than there is in like the worst Marvel movies. Like I really that's that's, that's oh, preposterous. Untrue. Right. Okay, P- Peter, I'm gonna be straight with you here. Uh, is this a battle you want to pick? Out of all the battles we have coming up, today, no, no, no. But but like, <laughs> I, I, the thing is, I could go just go along and say yes. But like, you're asking me, yeah. do I believe this should be in the top 100? I I honestly don't believe this should be in the top 100. Okay. Peter, okay, uh, hang on, hang on, real quick before you start, Jacob. Uh, just on a sheer technical and like uh, a virtuosity level, you don't believe that it's it, it should be in there. You're, I, I understand that you have problems with the narrative. I actually have some problems with the narrative myself. Um, no, but just, I, I, I do believe on the technical level, cinematography, the how things were accomplished. Yes, it, it is amazing, like, but so, I, so but I feel like I'm going to lose most... some battles for things that were on that level that others here aren't going to agree with me because they weren't made by an author, you know, with the last name Miller. Hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Go ahead, Jacob. All right. Um, <laughs> I will happily move this up into the um, discussed section instead of our locked in section. I just feel like at the end of the day, I know I'm going to lose this, yeah, but at the end of the day, I, I think we'll, we'll save us a lot of heartache and headache. If we just put it in the top 100 right now, I already have a headache. 
<laughs> Brad, you always have a headache. <laughs> That's true. I do get headaches pretty frequently. Right. So, Peter, do I have your permission to put it in the top 100, even though it's you don't support it, but the rest of us do, so Fine. we can have other fights later on? Fine, okay. do it. All right. But the next one I know for a fact Peter likes, and it has also received five votes from us, and that's uh, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, one of the most recent films on the list. And Peter, you think this one should be there, right? Uh, yes. You know, I, I don't think I'm the right person to make the pitch for this, Jacob, because I think you are, like, the one out of all of us. Like, you think this should be, like, one of the top films of the decade period, right? Yeah, I think it's in the top ten, uh, maybe even top five. I think it's the best film I've seen in a couple years. And Bong Joon-ho, just, he's just master master auteur of shifting genres you're, not, you're never quite sure what parasite is until it reveals itself it's a thriller a dark comedy a satire and ultimately just this uh truly powerful tragedy and to talk about what it's about i feel like it's almost spoiling it's spoiling it because it's still a recent film and a lot of people have a chance to see it yet but it is just this um it's if alfred hitchcock who's who's notoriously cynical uh that level of thriller skill applied to a film with a social message that stings and feels so incredibly important and powerful to this decade in particular. So uh, is anyone here opposed to Parasite? I know somebody here didn't put it on their list. Who who didn't put Wait, can we call the person, like, who didn't put it on the list? Was it me? It might uh, have been uh, me. No, it no. must have been on my list because I, I, it was I, in my I, top ten of this year. I think it was Chris. Uh, sorry to call you. Probably push you out there, Chris. But <laughs> No, it's fine. I think it's a great movie. I don't think it's... I. I think it's the best movie, one of the best movies of this year, the year 2019. I don't know if I would say it's the best. It's not even like my favorite Bong movie of the decade, so I don't think I could put it up there. His favorite Bong movie is A Very Held and Kumar Christmas. <laughs> yes, no. It's, um... I, I, I will agree with Chris that the ending of the movie isn't as strong as the rest of the movie, and I, I do think some of it's... Uh social political uh what it's trying to get at is a little heavy-handed but i do think it's one of the 10 best movies of this year and if you can't get one of the 10 best movies of this year on you know the list of the 100 then that's tough i actually will disagree with you about the last 10 minutes because i think that those last 10 minutes solidify the message that parasite particular is trying to say you you know we should have a discussion of this at some later point (laughs) But I'm just right, saying, so you, logically, that last ten minutes does not make any sense. But oh, th- anyway, that's as far as I'll go without you know spoiling anything for anybody. Even though I don't have it on my list, I don't have any objections. So all right, I'm gonna lock Parasite in. Uh, the next one I want to present is an automatic move up uh, with five votes. Is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? Yeah. Yes. It's on my list too. I think it's another one of Kristen was only a uh, holdout here, and even then, Chris likes this movie a lot. It's great. It's a great movie. It's not my my best of the decade. What Chris is saying is it's not cinema. That's right. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, I I, I think it's good. I have no objections. I just wouldn't include it with my list because my list is the better one. Well, while I do this, Ben, uh, give us a few sentences in why Spider-Verse is the best superhero movie of all time. Uh, I mean, anybody can wear the mask. That's like the big message of this movie, not just, uh, you know, a clean cut white guy like it had been for so long. I think the movie is, you know, maybe more than any other film this side of like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It feels like a comic book that's come to life. And uh, that the the visual style, uh, Lord and Miller's like signature humor 
um, all of that kind of stuff is like what makes the movie amazing on a surface level. But there's also this really like a, like a palpable pain in these characters. Uh, and, you know, it, it, we can we can appreciate the cleverness and all that stuff, which I, I certainly do. But I think there's like a real uh, a beating heart to this movie that is not present in a lot of other superhero movies, let alone uh, animated ones. All right. Uh, going from a complete opposite direction. Our last film to receive five votes is Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. I think the movie's a masterpiece, so I'm for this one being bumped right up. Uh, who who is against it? Nope, not against it. Now that's what I call cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the one who didn't have it on my list, but I'm not opposed Boo! to it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess I booed Chris earlier for Parasite, yeah. so I deserve it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I but, but guys, do we want to support a movie that has dwarf tossing in, tossing in it? I mean, Lord of the Rings has dwarf tossing in it. <laughs> I, that was a joke. I'm sorry. Uh, Chris, why is Wolf of Wall Street a great movie? It rules. That's all I'm. That's, what else more do I have to say? It's amazing. No, it had. Uh, you know, Scorsese made this in his 70s, and it has more energy and more life than movies from filmmakers. You know, half his age, and it just shows that he's he's unbeatable, man. He's gonna live forever in my mind. <laughs> all right, we're almost done with my opening shtick here. Then get the real meat. I want to go through the last few films that received uh, more than half uh, nominations from the group. So, with four nominations, Blade Runner 2049. This is on my list, and I think it deserves to be bumped up. But I want to hear from you guys. Yes. Yeah. I didn't hear a yes from Ben and Peter, so this wasn't on your guys' list. <laughs> it was not on my list, but I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I think it's one of those movies that I, I didn't love when I first saw it, but the more I think about it, the more I like it. It's it was I guess it just had so much, um, like the weight of so many expectations on its shoulders when it first debuted. But like thinking back on that movie, I think back at, at you know all of the gorgeous cinematography, the beautiful imagery there, and like the the yeah the the pain and the the wandering of the Ryan Gosling character. Um, I like the movie a lot. I just I don't necessarily love it enough to have put it on my list. I, Actually, I think... it had to be Peter or Chris that uh, uh, one of them put it on there because it's not on my list. Yeah, oh, it, it, it is on my list. And, oh, there uh, we go. Yeah. So is uh, Brad? Why didn't you put it on your list? Uh, I really liked Blade Runner 2049, don't get me wrong, um, but I don't know, part of me felt like it was almost just a little too late, and while I think the visuals are stunning, and I, I like Ryan Gosling in the role, and I like what they did with Harrison Ford's return, it just didn't sit with me in a way where I, I fell in love with it. And so while, while I thought it was very good and I was satisfied with it, it wasn't enough for me to put it in my, my own top 50 of the decade. All right, so here's my question for Ben and Brad. Uh, considering the fights we have ahead of us, and this one having the support of two-thirds of the group, <laughs> are, you okay, are you okay with this one being bumped up, or do you want to save the fight for later? I'm okay with it going on there. That's fine with me. Uh, yeah, oof, I don't know. hundred feel... movies is a lot of movies. I feel like this one, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's true. Oh, we are we are making a list of a hundred, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, then yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with it being bumped up then. I, I, okay. I, was, thinking, I was thinking that it was 50, so since it's a hundred, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll speak for Blade Runner here. I think this is a near-perfect sequel. It understands what makes the original special in terms of tone, but it's also not afraid to venture off and do its own thing and be relevant for a new age. And it is just this methodical, dreamlike, sinister science fiction that baffles many people as, as it, you know, bewitched. But I'm very much in the bewitched uh, category. 
Uh, Can I actually say something too to add to that? Yeah. Um, so Blade Runner 2049 is a rare sequel in that it um, made the original better in my esteem because I was actually not a fan of the original Blade Runner. But I think Blade Runner 2049 was able to answer the questions that the original Blade Runner put forward and never really got around to answering the idea of like what makes a human, what makes uh, uh, what constitutes humanity and i really loved its exploration of that i had my criticisms with it too of course with its uh use of sort of asian cultures as a uh, as a background to the to the action but i do think that it's such a beautiful exploration of humanity in a way that is ultimately really ultimately really sad all right uh move on to a very different type of science fiction the exact opposite type of science fiction uh spike jones's her received four votes i adore this movie so i want to hear from somebody who, who thinks it does not belong on this list hmm. um i really liked it at the time i don't think i put it on my list but i don't necessarily have any great reason to like uh to tear this movie down in any way i just <laughs> didn't there were other things that outranked it for me so i don't know did any, does anybody else have more uh, feel more passionately negative about her no, that's pretty much where I stood too. I'm the other person who didn't put it on uh, my list, and that I'm pretty much where you are. Where I, I did enjoy it when it came out. Um, I, I even think it might have been one of my favorites that year, at least in the top fifteen. But it just wasn't enough to push it to my top fifty. Uh, I this movie, I I love this movie to death. I think that as our relationship with technology grows and changes, I don't think any film this decade better captured uh, the sadness, but also the joy of of the connections we make in a digital landscape. I think this movie is a beautiful thing. Is it, would anybody be opposed to it being bumped up? I would not. No. Nope. I'm fine. All right. The next one is one that um, I did not vote for, but I do not, I'm, I'm totally understand if, if you want to bump it up. This is Scott Pilgrim versus the world with four votes. I adore this movie, but I didn't vote for it. So you, you guys take the floor. Who wants, Ooh, who wants to talk about it? Uh, I will fight for this movie to the absolute death. Um, I think this movie deserves so much more credit than it's gotten. And it's already gotten a fair amount of credit. Um, but I think this movie is such a brilliant approach to relationships and breakups. And it does so in such an original way by utilizing uh, video game aesthetics and comic book style. And Edgar Wright's signature uh, humor is there to make it even better. The cast is outstanding. Um, it's just, there's so many great things about it. I, I think that the, it's one of the most original movies I think that we have seen uh, in this decade. Granted, it's based on a graphic novel, but it's still an original presentation, uh, you know, of, of that kind of story. Yeah. Also, the graphic novel is just so kind of innovative in its own way as well. Yeah. So it feels like fresh. Yeah, I have zero issues with this movie bumped up. I, I didn't vote for it, but I also feel like Edgar Wright is a remarkable filmmaker. And this movie uh, is speaking a very specific language that, that only comes to the fruition, cinematic speaking, this decade. Uh, who is that person who didn't put it on here? Was it you, Chris? Yeah, I do not have it on my list. Uh, Ooh! Wow. I, uh, I hate this movie, actually. Oh, really? Ooh. This is the only Edgar Wright movie I don't like. Wow, um, really, Chris? Why don't you like this movie? I mean, Why... I, I like this. It's got great style. It's well-directed. I don't think Edgar Wright can make a badly-directed movie at this point. But uh, even though I don't normally dislike Michael Cera, I find him insufferable in this movie and i don't want him <laughs> to get ahead at all i know that's part of his, his character arc is learning that he's a shitty boyfriend but 
I don't want to spend a whole movie with that shitty boyfriend. Like I just wanted him to immediately, I wanted him to die basically. And I wanted Mary Elizabeth Weinstead <laughs> to get a better boyfriend because God, he sucks in this movie so much, but I understand that people love it and it's just not for me. And that's fine. I'm not going to, I will not, I will not fight it, even though I, I really don't care for this film. All right. I'm, I'm going to bump it up. Uh, so, so I think that's the first film that we've mentioned that someone outright hates. Yeah. Mad Max for you. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I admire the cinematic, like, the, the action and stuff. I just think as a story, it's nothing. All right. This movie is a, I think it's, it's a slash film favorite. I know it made our top ten of the year when it came out. It's a little under the radar. It's Sing Street. It got four nominations from us. And I didn't vote for this, but I think this movie's a lovely, lovely thing. So I'm not opposed to it being on the list. Uh, who's a big Sing Street fan here? And not me and Peter are. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ben is too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Ben, tell us about Sing Street. Uh, Sing Street is glorious. It's it's um a, basically it's a movie about a kid in 1980s uh, Dublin who decides to form a band in order to impress a girl, and it's all about um it, you know the, like on the surface it, it sort of appears to be about uh the creation of music and this uh, romance between this uh this boy and this girl and all of that stuff is great and the music is wonderful it's from john carney who directed once which is this really small uh indie musical and this sort of like uh crystallizes all of his thoughts about the world it's like quasi autobiographical based on his uh, experiences in life and um it, you know it, it's really great on this one level but i think there's also a, a separate like uh engine to this movie which is the relationship between the musician and his brother, who is played by, uh, what is his name? Um, Jack Rayner, who uh, is so, so good in this movie. And the the brotherly relationship, I think, is really at the core of this thing. Um, there's so much that I could say about that. I think I'm actually going to write about it a little bit in some of my favorite moments of the year uh, list, which is a separate list that we're doing on Slash Home. So if you want to read more about that, you can you can do that once that list is published. But, um, man, I really love this movie. Uh, Chris, were you the one who let this off other than me? I have not seen Sing Street, so that's why it's not on my list. Whoa! Oh my goodness. <laughs> Chris, I think you would really enjoy Sing yeah. Street. I don't have time. I have to rewatch The Irishman again. I don't have time to watch. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so as someone who, who, who also didn't vote for it, I'm cool moving it up. I, I think Sing Street is a truly beautiful thing. It didn't make my personal list, but I have zero qualms with it being in our top 100. And Chris, Sing Street is about a real Irishman. <laughs> Uh, all right okay the last film before i open the floor to everybody uh the last film with four votes and that is whiplash and holy hell i love this movie guys Um, who doesn't doesn't love whiplash so we can fight um i didn't put on my list i do think it's it's really well directed it's just one of those movies that's that's sort of like faded from my mind over like i remember when i saw it i was like man that was amazing and then like the more distance i got between it the more i was like eh, i don't ever need to see that again I, but, I, I'm, I'm like chris I on this i put it on my list but like i feel like i have not thought about it since the year it came out man you guys, you guys really need to yeah. watch it again because th- this is a movie that like i saw opening night sundance and i remember thinking wow that's great and as the festival went on nothing really like topped it for me that year, and I kept thinking that as the year went on, I was like, "This movie was so good." I'm like, "Am I crazy for like still holding on to it?" But it <laughs> it, it it just is that great. I I've watched this movie several times uh, since it came out. I I love showing it to people for the first time. I just think that it's the dynamic between J.K. Simmons and and Miles Teller is is so 
great and tense, and both of their performances are outstanding, and the music is fantastic, too. Uh, the score and the music that the band plays. So, yeah, I just I love this movie so and, much. And by the way, when you fall in love with something at Sundance, like one of your favorite films of the year, it's like the worst because <laughs> it basically means that by December, you're still like nothing has beaten it. Like you started off the year great and nothing like was able to topple it. <laughs> right, I'm also very strong on Team Whiplash. Um, this movie few films have captured the pain of the creative process like this and the abusive relationship <laughs> of uh, the abusive relationship between um, artists and mentors and just the an entire last 10 minutes is brutal and it it, it worked and the, the look on JK Simmons face when you last time you see him the last shot of JK Simmons where you can't tell if he's angry or proud remains one of my favorite reaction thoughts in, in all of modern cinema I, I love this movie yeah I vote for it being on there Oh man, I don't know. I I'm I feel like I want to fight this, even though I don't think it's a bad movie. <laughs> I just also don't know if I would like. I, mean, I would we... say like, uh, like uh, First Man. If we're picking like a uh, oh god, what the hell is his name? Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. If we're picking like one of his movies, I would say First Man belongs on this list more than this, but. Yeah, uh, everyone, everyone feels them. so strong about this. I don't. Well, wanna... I'm on, I'm on your team, Chris, because I. Saw All right. It. Oh yeah, I, I also saw it, and I really loved it when I, when I did see it in theaters. Um, but I think it was more for the performances. I think it was a really great performance vehicle, and it was well directed. But it's something that, um, I haven't really thought of since I saw it way back when. So I don't know. I think it's fine. I just, I do think it's stronger for the performances than anything. How can you say that? About, how can you say that about First Man though? When First Man isn't on any of our lists. Yeah, I know. I don't think I put any Damien Chazelle movies should, on the list. But wait, if I had to pick one, it would be First Man. Should we? Should we table this or should we approve it? Like, what should I'm we gonna, do? I'm going to table Whiplash. It's, it's too much controversy around Ooh, the circle. This one, you sons of bitches. So, whiplash. <laughs> you might say we have some Whiplash around this movie. Ooh. Okay. Now we're going. HD now with the pun. So we have 15 <laughs> movies already locked in. So 15 percent of the way there, guys. Oh my so, God! How many more do we have to put on here? Eighty-five more. Oh. And, and by the way, these these fifteen movies were the ones that we pretty much agreed upon. Yeah, these were the easy ones. Yeah. All right, so we are going to, we're going to go around a circle now. Each of us is going to nominate a movie, uh, and we all have to either approve it or not. And if we disapprove of it, that person has to pick another movie until we approve it. And we go on to the next person. So if, if you remember back, last year, there was a point where I think I like named four movies before I got a movie approved. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. All right. Well, I, random order I, I built beforehand. Uh, ben, you're getting us started. Which film are, belongs in our top 100? Before I select, I have a question about uh, how does this work if some people on this podcast have not seen the films in question yet? Like, uh, your discussion, your, your your description of the film must sell them on the film based on the description. Is, is how we're going about this. Like if I have not seen, um, if I had not seen Wolf of Wall Street, I would say, tell me about it. Why does this film matter to you? And if your argument wins me over, you know, well, I, that's one thing. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, well, let me think. I I think I'm going to pick a, a movie that I love from this year, uh, and I'm going to say Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I, I think should be definitely in the top 100 movies of this past decade this is a movie directed by celine siama it is a french film about this woman who is a painter who goes to an island to paint this uh this other woman who is like notorious she's about to be married and the whole uh construct of the film is like 
this woman who's about to be married has to have her um, her portrait done so it can be sent ahead to her husband. And it's this big metaphor for like the end of her creative life as an individual. And um, it's all about like taking this next step into marriage. And this this woman who has to have her, her portrait painted does not is very resistant to this idea. So uh, a previous painter has come and she has like made that person's life hell and and wasn't didn't even allow them to actually paint her. So this new painter comes and is trying to uh, capture this person's portrait without them knowing about it. So it's all about the act of looking and um, the the camera is like roving around and you get a lot of POV shots of like small portions of this person's face that uh, the artist needs to remember for later. And it is such a um, a profoundly powerful love story that develops over the course of the film. I don't want to say too much about it because it hasn't really uh, come out yet. It's it's out in limited release in LA and New York right now. It comes out on Valentine's Day next year, but it technically qualifies for this list and and uh, end of the year lists. So, um, God, it is, like the performances are outstanding. The cinematography is like some of the most beautiful I've seen in a long, long time. Um, the music is great. It, it is just, uh, it, it's like everything I want in a, like a heart swelling romance mo movie. It's, um, it's like devastating in all of the right ways. And the final, you know, couple minutes of the movie are just like some of the most uh, moving, emotional, profound moments I've had in a theater in the past 10 years. So I feel like this movie should be on the list. You, you know, Ben, I haven't seen this, but I've been talking to you about it for a few weeks now. You've been, you've been talking about it on the podcast and off the podcast. And I've, in the years we've been working together, I don't think I've ever seen you this passionate about a film. So it, unless there's like some strident opposition, I, I think you alone can boost top 100. But who else has seen this? I think HD has seen this, right? I have seen it. And I love it. I didn't include it on my top, um, movies of the decade because while it's one of my favorite movies of the year, I don't know if it's that high up in my like decade list, but everything that Ben says is correct. It's a movie that, uh, this is a, a phrase that has been like cheesy and memefied now, but it really is the definition of poetic cinema. <laughs> um, every shot looks like a portrait and it's something that takes that title to heart so well. And it feels like it condenses so many years of, like love poems and and tragic love affairs into this two-hour film in a way that does feel like so um just transporting um i will say that when i saw it i i felt so many similarities just call me by your name that it lot the, the films sometimes overlap in terms of like how much i i really enjoy them especially in the final shot of both films um but yeah I, i'm not opposed to it being on the, the top 100 it's not my not my choice personally but uh, everything that ben says is correct chris i know you just saw this do you think it belongs on the top 100 mm, no oh, chris you're killing me no i it can go in there what i don't <laughs> i'm just, life has beaten me down i don't want to fight that much let's chris, just leave it only on there. like 30 minutes into this podcast. How are you? <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a long week. I'm just glad that today's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, is, is, would anybody, based on Penn, Ben's pitch, I'm, I'm okay, but bump this up. I'm, Brad and Peter, are you guys okay uh, based on Ben's word and HD's word? I haven't seen it yet and it doesn't look like it's going to be very good. I'm cautious about just okaying putting it on the list. Granted, even though we have 100, with only two people fully supporting it so far. 
All right, I'm going to I'll I'll put it in in discussion for now, but we we'll table it for now. It doesn't mean it's off the table, but it means we talked about it. Uh, ben, go ahead and nominate another movie, and we'll come back to Portrait Lady on Fire. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, let me look through my list here. Uh, how about Guardians of the Galaxy? That's a fun one. Uh, I'm, I don't know if that one had multiple uh, votes. Oh, it does. I it, see it, it had three votes. It has three um, votes. And this is the one Marvel movie on this list I, I guarantee believe should be on there. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm picking this one because I, I know I shouldn't get too much of a fight here. Um, I, I think, you know, James Gunn is a, an interesting sort of indie filmmaker before he stepped into this, and he he retained his voice. This is one of the few uh, Marvel movies and I guess Marvel, like, sub-franchises that really, really, really feels like it it uh, has an auteur behind it. it. It's coming from a specific person's point of view instead of, uh, you know, a, a sort of a committee kind of thing. And that's saying, you know, that's coming from somebody who likes most of the Marvel movies. Um, but I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, we can we can talk about uh, the ensemble cast, which is amazing. And like Dave Bautista, who was known as a wrestler before this, but, you know, has like slowly become uh, one of the most like sort of joyful presences in, in uh, Hollywood cinema as like one of these huge, uh, you know, be, you know, uh, like bulk, <laughs> bulking sort of beefy guys. Um, I, I never would have thought that Dave Bautista would have been, you know, a, considered a legitimate movie star, but here we are. Um, and yeah, I, I think the movie's uh, ultimate message about like the power of friendship, it, it can be uh, so cheesy. <laughs> like you were saying earlier, somebody, uh, HT, I think we're talking about the cheese factor. Um, I, I think this movie in the wrong hands could have been a total disaster, but I think it's the the con the uh, music, the way that the score was chosen, the soundtrack, um, you know, all those songs on the awesome mix, and the uh, the magic that forms when all of those elements come together um, resulted in something really special. So I, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, it didn't make my list, but when I think back in the last decade of like the pop culture landscape, Guardians is a titan in that landscape. Yeah. I cannot deny it being on this list. There's not many movies that I would fight like hand and teeth to get on this list other than guardians like this needs to be on there in my mind and it's also interesting too from like a an industry perspective this was like arguably one of the first really big swings from marvel in a post avengers landscape so and it, it paid off you know it's a movie about a talking tree and people were freaking out because nobody knew anything about these characters before but uh we were instantly pulled into that world and i think you know the casting had a lot to do with that but and the james gunn script and everything too so um i think it was just a a huge it was a it went about as well as it could have gone and and i think for all of us to still be thinking about it years later and and looking back fondly on it um says a lot yeah i, I think oh, sorry, i was gonna guys. say i think people look back on that film like it was like an obvious hit but, like, it was not. I remember us reporting on that film and everybody being like, what is this? There's a talking tree. Like, people were not immediately sold on Guardians. And the fact that it has become, for this generation, what Star Wars was for the generation before it, I feel like, you know, earns its way onto this list. Mm -hmm. right. HD, I hear you. I hear you, have, you have words in your mouth. What? Uh, right. Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, I, I, I feel you have words to say. Oh, um, I, yes, you were calling me out for not including this on my list. Um, I, I liked Guardians of the Galaxy a lot when it came out, but it kind of has fallen in my, um, sort of like regard since, since it, since I saw it, but I can't deny the impact that it has on pop culture. I do think that some of the jokes 
particularly the more sexist ones, don't really play over as well for me as they did. But um, I, I, I'm fine with it being on the list. It's fine. All right, Chris. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I actually think Guardians 2 is the better movie, but I feel like that movie wouldn't, like, that's one of those sequels that needs this movie to exist, so I didn't include this on my list, but I don't, I do think it is an important film. I, I, like, if I had to pick one Marvel movie for this list, it would definitely be this, so yes. All right, Guardians, you're on top 100. And speaking of Chris, Chris, you get to pick the next one. Uh, I'm going to go with Under the Skin, which is Jonathan Glazer's uh, fever dream nightmare starring Scarlett Johansson as an alien. Um, this is like top like three for me uh, of the of the decade. I don't th- it's just such a unique, weird, haunting movie that I, I've never seen a movie like this before or since. It's almost like. It sounds like a cop out, but it's it almost it's almost like unclassifiable this this film because it's just so otherworldly. Like it's everything about this movie, every frame, every scene is just so <sighs> out of this world. Like I I can't remember the last time I, I a movie like blew me away like this. I remember seeing this in the theater uh, before like anyone was really talking. I just like saw it on a whim, and I I was just. Yeah. completely floored because it was so mind-boggling and odd and this was like before like a24 had become you know that indie powerhouse it is today where you know they're like you know every time they come out with a movie it inspires eight billion memes like this was like the beginning of a24 so no one was really talking about them as, as much at the time and i was just so caught off guard and it's one of those movies that's like always stuck with me uh from you know the direction the cinematography to the Mika Levy's score, which is like so abnormal and atonal and and creepy, it's just uh, I don't know. This movie is phenomenal to me, and I I would very much fight for it to be on the list somewhere. You know, yeah, uh, Chris is right. I can't shake this movie. It's been lodged in me since I saw it. I, I can't shake it off. And I was gonna say that score, and also like the, the that's those scenes that they do have been like imitated and inspired. Like the inspiration of the, this film has been, like been copied and imitated by like you know Stranger Things. Like I feel like that whole sequence of uh, when uh, Eleven looks into the Upside Down is totally influenced by that film, and um, it, it, like its influence has been felt in a big major way. Yes, Peter is right. <laughs> Well, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose that right now. Uh, Chris and Peter being on the same page is a magical, magical thing, and I, I think that alone <laughs> deserves under the skin. Promoted to the top 100. Does anyone dislike? I can understand disliking the movie, but does anyone not think it belongs on the list? I, I admit, I admit, it's a very weird movie, so I could get not liking it. But does anyone not want it on here? I guess is the question. I've had this in my Netflix queue since 2013 and I've not actually watched it yet. So I can't ah. comment, but I, from everything you guys have said, it sounds like it belongs in our group list for sure. All right. All right. All right. I'm yep. bumping under the skin into our top hundred. Welcome Jonathan Glazer. That movie is, Oh man. I, it's, it, ben, I want to hear your thoughts. It, it's something else. <laughs> All right. Uh, but next up is Peter. What do you nominate Peter? Okay. So the, the whole game of this, guys, is, is tough because, like, do I 
try to push for a movie that like you know I want to fight for at this point, or do I try to get something that I think is easy to get in? And it it's a tough game of this like whole writers room thing. But you know what? I honestly think I'm gonna start at the top. Like I, I'm gonna like I'm gonna go. Uh, honest here and i'm not gonna play underhanded and go for a movie like i i want to get on from down below that i don't think is gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go with one of my favorite films of the last 10 years and i'm, I'm not sure i don't think this is gonna be an easy hit either uh but uh star wars the force awakens um i think you know this film was massive this, this is is the rebirth of star wars in for a new generation this is uh, brought new characters. It, it brought a a female hero to the forefront of Star Wars for the first time uh, on live action, uh, you know, big screen. And J.J. Uh, Abrams, uh, you know, you can say what you will that like it 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 is playing the hits and it's trying to recapture the magic. But I think it's doing what it did what it needed to do. And these heroes are the the people that I see on T-shirts every day as I walk the streets. And, uh, you know, alongside, you know, Groot and Rocket. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's we, – we already have a Star Wars movie on this list. And I know that we're probably not going to have another one after this <laughs> on this list. Uh, we have – we should say that we're recording this at a time that we have not seen the third installment of the Sky uh, – the sequel trilogy. So that will not be in contention here. Uh, but I, I really feel like this film deserves to be uh, – not only is it you know monumental in it, it breaking records and stuff, but it's a film that everybody – I know has seen, you know, more times in the theater than they can count on one hand. And it was, it's a moment in time. It's something special. Uh, It's a story that resonates. Uh, It asks questions that uh, people debated and speculated about for years until another movie came out and said those questions didn't matter. Uh, it, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really think for me, The Force Awakens is, is a really special film. Uh, I think the first 45 minutes belong in our top 100. <laughs> Beyond that, I, I get a little skeptical. Uh, but Peter, Peter's really passionate about this one, and I, I do believe that this list should be representative of uh, movies we're in consensus on, as well as movies that individuals are incredibly passionate about. So even though it <laughs> chafes me a little bit to, to say it was about top 100, I will give Peter my, 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 my sword here, because I know this movie matters to him, and this, movie, this list is about us, you know, and it's individuals. But uh, I think Brad also put this on your on your list, right? Yes, I did, um, and I believe in it much in the same way that that Peter does. Uh, this was not an easy task for J.J. Abrams to take on, and while he does tap a lot into reviving details from the original trilogy and retreading them, I, I do agree with Peter about how the introduction of those new characters is something that was not easy, and for people to love them so quickly. Uh, and fiercely and to have characters who are now immediately uh, part of Star Wars history and that people really truly enjoy uh, is a feat in itself and I think that there's great stuff in in this movie like aside from just uh, how Kylo Ren is is handled as a villain uh, from the the choice to leave Luke Skywalker completely out of the story and and really focus in on those new characters and Give us something to latch onto that isn't simply, you know, all the old heroes back together doing what they did before. Um, I love Harrison Ford's role as Han Solo in this movie. 
I there's there's a lot to like about it. And while I don't think it is as good as The Last Jedi, I think this movie accomplishes so much and is so well done for how big the legacy of Star Wars is and how much it means to people that, that it deserves to be one of the best of the decade. Can, can I respond to the first 45-minute comment? I know, yeah, sure. I know that the ending, the Starkiller base, is not uh, the best moments of this film. Uh, to, to me, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the canto bite of this movie. Uh, but it does have a lightsaber battle, which I think, is, it, the more and more I think about it, I think the lightsaber battle at, at the core of this film that takes place outside on Starkiller Base is my favorite lightsaber battle of the, the whole entire franchise. And the reason why is because there's emotional stakes. There, There is a story being told there about Rey. It's... um. You know, the lightsaber battle in Last Jedi might be a better choreographed battle, but I feel like emotionally I'm not as connected to it. Yeah, I, I think Peter's right about that. I mean, I think the the Last Jedi lightsaber uh, battle kicks ass, uh, but there's there's such an, uh, a person per, per, uh, close personal intensity to Kylo Ren and Rey's duel that I can get behind that. So I want to I want to hear from the the deafening silence of Ben, <laughs> HT, and Chris. <laughs> uh. <sighs> Look, um, I mean, we we have a Star Wars movie on this list. So if you say yes to Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I'll say yes to <laughs> Force Awakens. But by the way, Ben, yeah. I did not say no to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Like no one asked me. So and I'm I'm not saying no either. Actually, Peter, you were asked. You just didn't say anything. Because it's such a okay, the whole thing of like having to say yes or no to a movie you haven't seen is like tough. So like, I would rather like abstain than say no because I I'm, I I don't I don't know everything I've heard about that movie is is great, like, but like I haven't seen it, so like I don't know. It, it's very tough. Like, I know Jacob makes it sound easy that like you know Ben convince me and then say yes, but like it's very hard when you haven't seen the movie. I was very good at listening. Yeah, we're we're all in service of a larger yeah. group list, so. I, but I but, I, but uh, I will say this: like I I I was quiet because I was not going to say no. Do you know what I mean? Like you made a passionate plea for that movie, and that was like there's no way for me to say no to what you you had said, despite the fact right. that I have not uh, even seen the trailer for the movie. Right. I mean, I, I'm I'm partially kidding, but I want to hear what HC and, and Chris have to say about Force Awakens. Um, no, it's it's I, I I love Force Awakens. Um, I I think it has big script problems. Uh, Last Jedi is a better movie in pretty much every way, but Force Awakens is an incredibly entertaining, and the characters are so much fun. And that that lightsaber battle is is great. Um, I still remember, you know, the uh, the feeling of how amazing it was that that shot. You know, it, it's easy to forget this but the way that movie was marketed we we had, we actually didn't realize ray was the main character like finn was all over the marketing for that film and there was even like a poster where finn had a lightsaber in his hand so everyone thought oh he's the main character and there's that moment at the end where ray uses the force to make the lightsaber like fly into her hands and i was like oh that rules like the way they, they shot that so i you know, while I think Last Jedi is the better movie, and I would fight for that over this, I would not, I would not like strongly stand against this being on the list either. Here's a question for you guys: Does it have to be either or? No, it doesn't. No, you're right. And I we feel like have, that's what's become. Star Wars, but I also, 
I also feel like we're going to get to a point where it's like, uh-oh, we're running out of, as hard as it is to believe now, because we won't get there for another 10 <laughs> hours. Uh, we're going to get to a point where we're going to be like, we're running out of room. What are we going to have to cut? So I'm trying to pick my battles early, I guess. But I'm also not against this being on the list. Yeah, for me, like, like I said, not on my list, but this is a group list. This list is about us, and this movie matters so much to Peter uh, and to Brad. <laughs> That I think to keep it off uh, is not a fight I want to have because I know there are movies that matter to me in the same way this matters to Peter and Brad. Sorry, I keep leaving Brad out of that. <laughs> I will say that I really enjoyed Star Wars Force Awakens when it came out, and um, I do think that some of it has faded in my mind since I last saw it, but it is a wildly entertaining movie. Um, and it did have such an impact on pop culture, especially in the sort of um, vein of legacy sequels that would follow it. Movies that mine nostalgia for um, sort of this sort of new cultural phenomenon. And while I do think it it relies heavy on that nostalgia and, and hitting those same beats, it does make something new out of like that. Those old notes creates a new song out of it. Um, so... What I'm saying is I also don't mind it being on the list, but I do worry that we'll at some point have to uh, battle over being two Star Wars movies on the list and uh, other spots being taken. Uh, yeah, mostly I was kidding earlier. I feel like this is slash film. Of course, there's going to be two, two Star Wars movies on this list. And I'm just <laughs> honestly glad that it's not like Rogue One or Solo that we're talking about because I really like Force Awakens also. Um, Daisy really rules just period across the board. So um, I, I'm fine with that being on this movie, on this list. All right. Look at that, Peter. Your first submission. Is yes. You know, can we play like the, uh, the the celebration music? The John? No, we'll get we'll get like a copyright suit or something. <laughs> All right, uh, HT, you're up next. All right. Um, I am going to go with Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yes. Uh, a movie I, I deeply, deeply love. It's this wonderful snapshot of a gauzy summer love that feels both fleeting and infinite at the same time. And I feel like that it captures that um, that tempestuous feeling of first love so well uh, while feeling like this dream world, like you're drifting in someone else's dream. And of course, the performances are just pitch perfect. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, um, Army Hammer, and of course, um, uh, Michael Stuhlberg. <laughs> Michael Stuhlberg. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, wait. Yeah, Michael Stuhlberg, who gives one of the best speeches in cinematic history and just made me cry my eyes out. Uh, Call Me By Your Name. It's just a, a movie that I think very much deserves a spot on this list. Uh, this, this movie uh, moved me tremendously. And there's a whole tragic subgenre that I'm always attracted to, which is movies about romances and relationships where somebody meets their soulmate, but they, they can't be with them. And not in a, like, oh, they're dying or being torn away from me, but in a, this logistically cannot work. Uh, and Call Me Your Name is probably the best version of that because it is a coming-of-age story where the coming-of-age comes from a, a, a romance that defines who this person is. It defines who Timmy Chalmers' character is, even though it's never going to last. And that's the point, is that, you know, not everything that's great lasts. And also, this list list needs a shot of gay in it. We, we need some queer on this list. And this, it called our name is one of the best LGBTQ movies of the past decade. Arguably, uh, Under the Skin is an LGBT movie, depending on the readings that um, some of the writings on it. Uh, true, true. So, um, 
HT, you have my back in this one. This was on my list. I think Call By Your Name is a, is a absolute masterpiece. Yay. Yeah, the silence means we win, right? <laughs> <laughs> the silence means it's gets you bumped up, right? I, 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 uh, I'm about to make an admission here. I, I've not, I still haven't seen this movie. <gasps> Come on, guys. I know. <laughs> but I'm not going to fight it, so yeah. go ahead. Uh, Chris, Brad, Ben, uh, why do you hate this wonderful movie? <laughs> I, I don't hate this wonderful movie. I actually love this movie, and it did uh, come awfully close to getting into my top 50, uh, but there were just other movies that I still love more. But uh, when I saw this movie um, at, at Sundance, it uh, Michael Stuhlbarg's piece at the end brought me to tears. It's just it's such a, a beautiful love story. Um, and like like everything HG said, you know, Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet are, are outstanding in it. It's gorgeously shot. Like, it, it makes... It makes you want to go visit all the places you see uh, in this movie, and it's just—it really is an exquisite movie. It, it just wasn't on my list, but I am all for it being on the top 100. Chris and Ben, why do you hate this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, go ahead. Uh, no, I like this movie. It's just I like other movies more, and that's why it wasn't on my list. But it's kind of where I am too. Yeah. But, um. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I, I would be happy to have this on the site's collective list. It's yeah, it's it wouldn't be on my personal list, but I, I think it's a good enough movie that it it certainly um, it, uh, it it deserves the passionate response that it gets from its its you know most beloved fans. So um, yeah, I, I would not have any problem with this. Chris, yeah or nay? Uh, no, I don't object. Put it on there. Call it by your name. Welcome to the top one hundred. Uh, Brad, you're up next. What do you nominate? Um, I thought about doing what Peter did and going hard right out of the gate, but I feel like I want to, I want to take it easy at first. Um, so I'm going to go with Before Midnight. Um, I think this movie is fantastic because not only does it come after these two uh, outstanding romances that have been spaced uh, nine years apart from each other um, between... Um, you know, these the two people who just happen to find each other. But I think Before Midnight does this amazing thing where it allows you to feel the weight of what came before it, even if you haven't seen Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. So even though the first movie gives you this sudden random romance where they, you know, they spend this, this amazing time together only to part ways, and then the second movie brings them back uh, to, you know, experience that romance in, in a new way and uh, see if that spark is still there. The third movie just gives you reality and it sets in and it's this fantastic exploration and portrait of what a romance is like after what appears to be, you know, the quote unquote happy ending, even if it's not necessarily them uh, coming together at the end, because they, they don't really after those first two movies, but Ethan Hawke um, and Julie, uh, Julie Delpy in the, before midnight, they have such incredible chemistry and the way that they play this movie is it, it just feels so, authentic that like they feel like a real married couple and it comes with all of the the love and hardships that a relationship that has spanned such such a long period of time uh brings to the table and i think that there's so much passion in this movie for what a relationship is and what what love is and not in a typical hollywood romance kind of way um and on top of that it's gorgeously shot you know uh, richard Linklater has always proven he knows exactly you know where to put a camera and how to shoot stunning landscapes especially with these movies uh you know taking place in different spots around the world um but it's just so 
moving. And like th- this is a movie where I loved it so much when I saw it at Sundance, I actually took the time on my last day to go see it again. Uh, and it's stuck with me ever since then. And it's I just I treasure it. All right. This movie had three votes. I know it definitely has some fans out there. Uh, I haven't seen it, so I'm sitting idly by. I know people love this. I'm not going to stand in its way, though. I've, yeah, I thought I was going to be um, actually giving my uh, argument for this movie because I dearly love the Before trilogy. It's one of my favorite series of films ever. Um, Before Midnight is actually a movie, not not my least favorite of the trilogy, but the one that I've seen the least because it's just so raw and real and uncomfortable to watch. I think I've only seen it twice since it came out. Um, but it is so good, and it gives one of the most searing depictions of an on-screen fight I've ever seen. It's so uh, well done and well um, staged. And uh, like you said, the uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy just slip right back into the characters that they've been playing for 18 years, um, like it was just an old coat. And it's just a, it's such a wonderful film, and um, I, I dearly love it. Uh, and I think that it can be boiled down to um, the, the impact of this film can be boiled down to one line that Ethan Hawke says uh, to Celine Julie Delpy's character. And it's, I fucked up my life for the way you sing. And it says so much with so little. And again, like it gives all the weight of those past two films in those past years in that one line. All right. Would anybody be opposed to Before Midnight being a top 100? All right. Before Midnight, I'm inducting you in. Uh, which brings it to me, and I'm trying to decide if I go, if I go, if I want to pick, if I, if I, if I want to pick my big fight right now, or if I want to go for one I think I have an easier time with. And I'm going to pick my big fight right now, and that is uh, the best Corn Brothers movie, Inside Lewin Davis, must be on this list. It is everything that defines them as a filmmakers. It is so funny, it is so quirky, and it is so raw, and it manages to blend all those things together at once. There are scenes in this movie that are just powerfully sad while being incredibly hilarious. And the songs are incredible. Oscar Isaac in his best performance yet, like the one that made him Oscar Isaac. The fact that this is a movie about the, the New York city folk music scene, but it's really about the pain of being an artist, especially when you've lost a collaborator and you, and you, and maybe you're too far ahead of, ahead of your time or not quite there yet. And I think of this movie all the time because I can't think of another movie that is about an immeasurably talented person uh, who should be at the top of his game, but is maybe a year too early and he's going to be missed. And that devastates me. And the movie also has in- incredible jackets and an amazing cat performance. Inside Lewin Davis is a freaking masterpiece. Yes. I will agree with that. Yeah, this is... Um... I do. I also think it's it's the best Keller Brothers movie. Although their their filmography, I like. I feel like I change what I think their best is every like other year. But this this one is uh, unbeatable, and it's the movie that like Oscar Isaac is so good in it that no one has like figured out how to use him well since. Like every other film he's made since this has been like well, I don't know how to handle this guy, even though he's so good in this, and it's kind of like weird i don't know but i, I love this movie all right is, is anybody opposed to this one i don't love it as much as y'all but i'm not opposed to it i do think oscar isaac is great in it uh as is the soundtrack and as is that cat 
<laughs> Here, here's another movie that I have not seen. Oh wow, Peter! Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I think you, I think you would dig it, Peter. I think you'd really enjoy it. Just as an aside, I will say that the best Coen Brothers movie is No Country for Old Men, but that's a conversation for another day. So that is a great oh, one. I love that one too. Um, right. I'm also not as uh, keen on it as you guys, but I'm also I'm not opposed to it being on the list. Okay, welcome to the top 100. Okay, we're back to the beginning of the rotation. Ben, nominate something else. Um, God, I, I've just been like going over this back and forth in my mind. Um, how about The Master, Paul Thomas Anderson's movie that has two of the most outstanding performances uh, of the decade in it uh, from Joaquin Phoenix, who plays Freddie Quell, this Navy vet who... I mean, you know, you thought in Joker that his entire body was like contorting and and twisting and and all of that. He he really like I feel like Freddie Quell, this character that he plays in The Master is like, um, it's like how uh, this is going to be a deep cut reference for people. It's like how Ben Stiller played that character in Heavyweights before eventually going on to play a very very similar character in Dodgeball. It's yeah, kind of, <laughs> it's like uh, he he was. It's like a trial run, and um, my God, his performance in this movie is just outstanding. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, is just uh, so charismatic and swaggering as this. Uh, you know, L. Ron Hubbard-esque figure who runs this Scientology, but not actually Scientology because they couldn't legally say that uh, kind of cult uh, religion. Uh, Amy Adams is incredible in this movie. Um, Anderson cinematography. I mean, it's just, it, it's unbelievable. It's a beautiful film. It's it's about, um, God, like loneliness and trust and, uh, you know, uh, deception and belief and power and the, the struggle between these two men. It's a very masculine movie, but um, th- there are these female characters who are sort of dotted throughout it, who also have their own, uh, you know, the, the, their own power and their own right. Um, Amy Adams in particular has this like, uh, quiet steeliness in this movie that I think is, uh, is really powerful. And I think, um, th- you know, for a guy like Paul Thomas Anderson, um, I feel like several of his films could make our list of the top 100 of the decade because he's, that good um but I, I think this one is the one that i would be most disappointed if it didn't make the cut i agree with ben um i didn't like the master oh, <laughs> no <laughs> all right no <laughs> there is only one paul thomas anderson movie that i deeply deeply love and i would fight for it to be on this list um that's phantom thread but wait that's the only paul thomas wait, anderson yeah, movie that you the... love no, no, no. yeah what what wait what, what? Of this past decade. Okay. Wait, but what about... Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't like Inherent Vice either. I yeah. really hated that. What? Actually. Oh, HT. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay, go, um, go on, HT. I'm sorry I derailed this. There are parts of The Master I liked, um, but it's a movie that ended up leaving me cold. I don't really... I can't really explain why. Uh, I've only seen it once, since the first time in theaters, and I think I saw it in... Um, was it 70 millimeter that it came out in or something yeah, along those so. lines? Yeah. yeah. And I, it just, I, I saw what it was doing with the Scientology metaphor and I really enjoyed the performances. I think that Philip Seymour Hoffman, what gives a career best performance, Joaquin Phoenix, amazing. And uh, Amy Adams was the MVP for me actually, because I really enjoyed how the question of the master of who the master is in this movie kind of points to her and uh, her quiet power. But 
I don't know. There was just something about the master that never really gelled with me. And um, it's just a movie that I liked parts of, but never really uh, enjoyed the entirety of. Are the performances good enough for you to vote it in anyway, HD? I mean, like, I understand it's in, like, everyone's <laughs> best of the decade list, and I kind of assumed it would probably be, be on here. So, yeah, sure, it's fine. Yeah. I just I just wanted to say I don't really <laughs> like the master, and I'm I, sorry. I have to say I agree with HT. I was – I'm a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. I was looking forward to this. I was – at this point, like obsessed in Scientology and reading all the books and watching all the documentaries and doing all that. And I think my expectations for this movie were just, it, it was one of those movies that I was expecting. My, I, I wanted something different and I went in expecting something different than what I got, but what I got, uh, those performances are amazing. And I think those performances are on a level that it should be included on this list, but I, I'm, I, I'm with you, HJ. I, yeah. I, yeah, I think it was just very obscure in what it was trying to say. And that obscurity was something that I didn't really enjoy. All right. Mm. I, I think that's fair. But it also sounds like uh, Peter and HT, if I'm reading you correctly, you would be begrudgingly OK with being bumped up. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We can move the master. <laughs> In the top 100. Uh, Chris, you're turning the nominated movie. Uh, my pick is The Irishman from Martin Scorsese. It is the culmination of his life's work. And even though uh, he's going to make movies after this, and I hope he continues to make movies for another 50 years, even though I know that's impossible, um, this feels like it's like the end of an era. It's It's everything he has to say about movies and mob movies and his career in general all rolled into one epic I was hesitant about this because uh, it's so recent, like so incredibly recent, but I end up making my list because, yeah, it's a culmination of one of the master filmmakers of all time's careers, and it, it's a, a punctuation mark. I think it's important. I I, I love Scorsese. I, you know, Goodfellas and Casino and, you know, all his mob movies and stuff like that. Uh, I – watching this movie, I, I love where he gets to, what the, the point of this movie is – but I felt myself. I felt bored while watching it. So I feel. I don't know. I, I guess I'm saying that it wouldn't even be in my top ten of the year. Wow, you're canceled, Peter. <laughs> uh, it, it probably wouldn't be in my top ten of the year either, Peter. I talked about this on the water cooler yeah. a little bit last week. I also really love where it gets to and the, those final messages. But I, I think it lost me a little bit along the way. So you're not completely alone there, but um, can I propose something radical uh, because of the way that Chris just described the Irishman as like the culmination of Scorsese's career. It got me thinking about Avengers Endgame and how that's the culmination of the MCU. I wonder, and especially with like the whole, obviously the Marty versus Marvel kind of thing. Can we just go ahead and induct Endgame and uh, the Irishman and like call it a day for like, or not, I mean, not in the episode, but uh, put both of those movies in our top 100 and, and call it at that, because I feel like that would be, uh, there's something poetic about that. You know, I'm totally cool with that. It gets, it gets more on this list. We need to get this list moving. So yeah, it means, I, it means I don't have to argue for Avengers Endgame. <laughs> this is a trap. This is a trap because I don't want Avengers Endgame on here, but now I have to say yes. Well played, Ben. Fine. Fine. I agree to this. Okay. Welcome to the top 100 Avengers Endgame and The Irishman. Because you know what? Why can't we be friends, all of us? Uh, uh, Peter, you're up next. 
Well, I was honestly going to have Avengers Endgame next, but so I'm going to. I knew you would, so yeah. I'm just cutting it straight out. Yeah, good job, Ben. Good job. Uh, okay, uh, you know what? I'm going to jump to documentary because we haven't talked about documentaries here this uh, for this list yet. And uh, this documentary premiered at Sundance. It's Exit Through the Gift Shop. It was directed by Banksy. Was it directed by Banksy? Maybe it was directed by Banksy. We don't even know. But this doc, this this documentary is about art. It's about street art. It's about the value of art. It's um. There's this so much it, it, it's such a peek into this world of of street art and the value of of that we put on these things. But it's also interesting because it's a movie that I revisit and ask questions about how much of it's real. It's Mr. Brainwash, a real person is uh, I feel like it, it's such an interesting documentary because it has so many layers to it. So that's uh, and this would personally be in my top five of the last 10 years. Didn't make my list, but I like it a lot. I'm cool with it. I haven't seen it, so I don't have anything to, to say. Actually, I heard it say it. See it. I know. It was on my list, so I, I am down with this. Uh, Chris and Brad, did you guys have opinions on this one? I want to see this one exit through the back door and not on the list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I actually, I, I'm like HT. I actually haven't gotten around to seeing this movie yet. I, I've, I've been putting it off for years, so I, I actually don't have an opinion. And I, I think that... I do remember the cultural swell around it and just how fascinated everyone was with it. And the fact that I think everyone knows who Banksy is largely because of his presence and because of this documentary, I think that it's it's definitely worthy of being on the decade list. Brad, you would love this movie. I, I, I know this for a fact. Fair enough. Chris, yay or nay? <laughs> oh, man, it's fine. Let's go. Let's move on. Let's go. Put it on the list. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next up in the rotation is H.T., all right. Um, I'm going to go for another animated movie, and I'm going to go for How to Train Your Dragon, which I believe is uh, one of the mm, yeah the best animated movie of the decade and uh, one of the best movies of the decade. It's uh, a film that follows uh, Hiccup, who is a sort of pacifist, uh, timid Viking in a village full of Vikings who tried to, who are at odds with and try to defeat dragons, and he ends up befriending a dragon um, that is injured and creating a wing for it, so that this um, this dragon toothless kind of ends up relying on Hiccup, and it's this beautiful, lovely little boy and his dragon story that is just so such a wonderful little story that is. Um, beautifully shot. Uh, Roger Deakins consulted for this film, and it's one of the most cinematic animated films that we've ever seen. And I think that it's just a testament to CG animation, as well as a, just a beautiful little coming-of-age story about a boy and his dragon. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not, HT. Wow. wow. Whoa. Is are, you, are, are you kidding? I'm not kidding. This movie is okay. Hiccup uh, is very cute. Oh, boy. Otherwise, the animation is obnoxious. The character designs are obnoxious. It's loud. Wow. Jacob, are we talking about the same movie? Yeah. (laughs) I know you hate How to Train Your Dragon 2, which is fair. There are some uh, problems with it. But How to Train Your Dragon is pretty much a perfect movie. Look, I know I'm in the minority here. So we only get two votes from the group, though. But if all of you guys rally around HT and say, Jacob, you're wrong, and boo, hiss at me, and bump it up, that's totally fine. But I'm making my, I'm sticking my piece right here. I'll say a couple uh, things. I haven't seen it. So. Oh wow! 
I haven't uh, seen any of those movies, no. Well, if it helps, Chris, the dragons are modeled off after, I think, both dogs and cats. So they are so cute, and they act like real pets. So just, just let you know. I hate cute things. <laughs> but you love animals. No, I'm kidding. I love cute things. I'm a big softy, but I just haven't seen these. <laughs> I, I would say it's one of the few movies that uses the 3D technology to an emotional effect. It uh, is such a, a part of us. I mean, the Slash Film Cast uses the song from the movie as their part of their theme song. Oh, does yeah, it? Yeah, but that's yes. not us, Peter. We're different Whoa. than the Slash Film Cast. Well, that's true. Uh, I'll give this. It's a pretty rad score. I, I do have the soundtrack, and I do listen to it on occasion. I just wish... it. It never balances the humor and the drama and the tension for me. It, it whenever the other characters open their friggin' mouths, it's just comedians screaming, and I can't stand it. Mm. But I, I'm I, I'm willing to I'm willing to step aside here because clearly she's passionate, uh, and I have my own personal picks that I know she or other people are going <laughs> to say absolutely not to. Uh, so I'm I, I will step aside if everybody else is okay with this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, we finally have that one in there. Okay, Brad, you're up next. Uh, nominate something. Um, I, I'm going to go for, bat for uh, what we do in the shadows. Uh, this movie was close to being to the top, if not the at the top of the cumulative slash film list the year that it was released. Uh, so there's there's definitely a support for it. I'm not, I don't I don't know if necessarily the team was the same back then because I think we this was at a time when before a couple of uh, the team right now was on board, but this is easily one of the best comedies uh, of the decade, if not the best comedy. Uh, over the years, Taika Waititi has proven that he is a master when it comes to uh, comedy and satire, and this movie came at a time when I feel like the mockumentary was maybe running its course a little bit. Uh, you know, The Office had, had already been uh, doing it well for a while, and it's just, it was something that... Uh, you know, Parks and Recreation as, as well. And it just seemed like, what more can we do with this? But, man, Tiger comes in, and not only does he do something new with a mockumentary, but he does something great with vampires, which were also really just in at the end of their rope at that point, thanks to Twilight and the influx of vampire movies. Uh, this movie is absolutely hilarious but it also has some very uh touching things as far as friendships are concerned i think that this movie has one of the uh best ensemble casts of a comedy this this decade um and i just yeah there's really nothing more i can say to accept that this movie is just it, it when it defied uh expectations went against the grain by being something that people thought probably wouldn't work but it's just outstanding all around absolutely yes this movie is a masterpiece um I've watched this movie more times than any other movie released in this past decade. I, I put it on when I'm feeling in a bad mood. I put it on while I work. I put it on while I'm exercising. I find this movie to be the most comforting film uh, of its kind because it is so funny and so warm. And because I'm a weirdo, so incredibly bloody and violent that I find it, uh, it, it works for me. It's just yeah. – I love that the comedy feeds into the vampire world. It, it's not making fun of the vampire world. It's about – vampires who are you know idiots living in a world that kind of makes sense and i think it respects it respects comedy and horror in, in a way in a balance that is incredibly satisfying and i think what we do in the shadows is my pick for the straight up most entertaining film of the past decade and wow 
I, wow. I really strongly believe it belongs on this list. Wow. Uh, I was about to say. Uh, I don't even think this is the. I don't even think this is the third best Taika Waititi movie of the last decade. How does that feel to be wrong, Peter? So here, here's my thing with this. This movie is very funny, but from a filmmaking standpoint, I think it's kind of whatever. It's very, and I feel like you can make, uh, you know, quote unquote mockumentaries cinematically engaging as believe it or not the unfriended movies prove which are just a and uh searching which are you know computer screens that somehow are very cinematic and i feel like the filmmaking in this movie i think this movie is is incredibly cinematic but in a way that you don't necessarily realize because i think it captures a sort of gothic style but puts it in a contemporary kind of setting where you you get the feel that like you're you might you could easily be inside of an old cast or something like that, but it's just a rundown shitty house. And yeah. the way and the way it's shot in 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 darkness and things like this, I think it really heightens it and it makes it feel that much more like a real documentary if it were that. Yeah, yeah I, I think I, that, I can I think, see that. that. You know. Yeah, I, I think that the, the detached or modern mockumentary style combined with the lavish costumes and sets uh, mm. makes this makes for this collision of styles that shouldn't work, but ends up working and uh, i i i brad brad and i are, are seem to be alone here and i'm really worried about that because this movie is absolutely in my top 10 yeah i'm worried yeah i'm worried too I, I will say this you know i am the comedy curmudgeon on this podcast uh i i feel like the comedy in this film film is a little bit too broad at times for me it's just my taste so uh it, that, that just might be me Right. I mean, uh, I think it's very it's a very funny movie. I don't have any problem with the comedy, but I you know. hated this movie when I saw it and laughed maybe once in the entire thing, but I saw it on a plane, so maybe that had something to do with it and my hatred is far outweighed by the passion that you guys have already explained. So, I I you know, even though I despise this movie, uh, I know I need to <laughs> a probably give it another chance and b uh, ultimately I'm fine with it being on a group list if multiple people are passionate about it. I'm, I'm gonna give Ben the inter, the nickname of the intermittent comedy curmudgeon because sometimes he just comes out with these like opinions about comedies. I'm like, wait, what? I would I would not have expected you to hate this movie, Ben. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the plane or what, but uh, yeah, just I didn't really think it was that funny. I don't know. I don't wait, know. so should weird. we approve this or should we table it? I, I mean, put it on there. there. I, I would say it's fine because Brad and, and because Jacob has it so high and Brad clearly I, loves it as I, well. I also, I also have it so high. It's also in my top 10. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, it's tough to argue against that. I like H-T? what we do in the shadows. Yeah. I like what we do in the shadows. I think it's very funny. It's not in my top 50 personally. And I do have another Taika YTG movie in there, but I think it's fine. It's, um yeah, it's great mockumentary and it does well with what it has and uh it's the jokes are great so yeah i'm fine with it okay i think we got the end by the skin of our teeth uh brad we got lucky there um, <laughs> but it, it is me next and i'm gonna make a weird little compromise here i had initially voted nominated john wick chapter two but i noticed that john wick uh, the first one has uh two nominations uh so it has more more support so i'm going to propose that i eliminate chapter two from this list uh, I put my weight behind uh, John Wick Chapter 1. We put John Wick Chapter 1 in the list because it is the best American action film of the past decade. It is the perfect blend of comic book storytelling uh, and like old school fight choreography. It is fresh. It is modern. It is everything you want in this type of movie. It is satisfying. It is a satisfying like 
big pile of Hollywood meats that you just bury your face in. Uh, would anybody is anybody monstrous enough to say John Wick does not belong on this list? No, not in the least. I, I I love the silencer shootout in the second one. That would be like that that moment is so strong that it almost makes me want to fight for the entire second movie over the whole first movie. But ultimately, I think I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think like two is my favorite of the three films. Um, and it's, but. I think that in order to keep this nice and clean, uh, and I think putting the first John Wick on there just can make the most people happy, and that makes me happy to have any John Wicks on there. Yep. Yep. I'm fine All with right. that. John Wick, welcome to the list. Brings us back to Ben. Ben, let's. Uh, we're definitely running long, so Ben, let's give us start, guys. Let's try to keep like one or two sentences per movie to try to um, keep us going. So Ben, give us your quick sell on another movie. Uh, Fast Five, mother effers. That's got to be in here because the Fast and Furious franchise is like one of the most important franchises of the 2010s. It's the film that introduced The Rock into the franchise. I have my own personal feelings on The Rock and how they've dropped drastically over the course of this decade. But I think uh, at this point in... Uh, you know, looking back at uh, as the decade at the decade cumulatively, um, this is the movie that changed the game for the Fast and Furious franchise, and it's so much fun. It's so like testosterone fueled and over the top and truly, truly ridiculous. Uh, Paul Walker, uh, the late Paul Walker, is like really, actually, really good in this movie, and I think more than any other film in the franchise, this is the one that proves that he was the glue that holds this whole thing together. So uh, Fast Five, anybody going to shoot me down on that? I'm sure somebody is. You you know, you are the only person that put this on any of the lists, but uh, you mentioning it makes me think that I should have put this on my list. So I'm going to back you up on this one. I think this was one of the funnest movies of the last decade. Uh, It's a blast. It did make my list. uh, But this this is a case where, Ben, when you wrote your top ten of all time for the site, this was on that. Uh, I (laughs) So I, how can I argue against it? How can I argue against Fast Five when, when you love it that much? It, it, it's it's that it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, sure, let's do it. Ah, uh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Not a single one of those movies belongs on this list. Come on! The, the best Fast and Furious movie is not in this decade. It was Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, and I'm gonna st- stand on that ship. But you know what? It Fast Five is good. It's fine. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, I've seen this movie. I don't remember a single goddamn thing from it. Absolutely not. They drive uh, safe through the city streets in the end. It's great. Yeah, you don't yeah, remember what? the like the chase through the favelas and like. No. Oh, Chris, <laughs> Chris, these are cinematic moments of glory. You can't uh, recall. Nothing uh, in those movies is real. It's all just computer shit. They I actually. I mean, to to well, actually, you Justin Lin actually tied a freaking safe to the back of those cars and smashed buildings in Rio with it. So I will have you know. All right. The I safe still scene say no. is better than any of like the escalating action scenes that follow in the franchise. So I will actually now give my support because that safe scene rules. <sighs> I'm so uh, upset. I am. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm with Chris. Uh, if I were going to be forced to put any Fast and Furious movie on a best of the decade list, it would probably be Furious Seven. Um, what? Yeah, I like Furious Seven. I think that's the best of the franchise. I think Fast Five is great for bringing the Rock into the franchise, but beyond that, I honestly don't think that it's what I would call one of the greatest action movies of the decade. Uh, so I'm. I'm with Chris. <laughs> uh, ben, I'm going to put this into our in discussion section for now. Okay. Uh, so go ahead and pick another one, and we'll come back to Fast Five in a little bit. 
how about Annihilation? Uh, yes. Alex Garland's mind-bending movie that is about uh, uh, you know self-destruction and depression and uh, heading into the shimmer, which is this mysterious bubble that is very 2001-esque. I, I don't think any other movie has come as close to capturing this sort of um, like otherworldly uh, sense, like combination of dread and beauty that 2001 uh, elicited in me than Annihilation. I think it has uh, terrific performances and um, just like what a, a visual stunner of a movie. And like the, the final confrontation between Natalie Portman and the other Natalie Portman is like, um, it's it's haunting and mesmerizing. So uh, Annihilation, how about that? This was my next pick, Peter. Uh, my next pick, Ben. So you have my, this is a, absolute sci-fi classic up there with arrival and all of the other films we have on the list already i'm honestly shocked that only half of us put this on the list there's this a screaming another... bear in it for god's sake come on <laughs> what more do you people need this was another one that came close for me but i just uh it got it barely got eked out i say yeah, no problem with this yeah annihilation was a movie that left me surprisingly a little cold because i thought i would like it a lot more i even saw it twice in theaters because i was wondering if I missed something. I like it's another movie I liked parts of. I really enjoyed the part with uh, Tessa Thompson's character uh, turning into a flower. That part really spoke to me, um, and the rest of it, like I really enjoyed the imagery. But yeah, I mean, it's not my personal favorite, but I'm fine with it going on the list. We put your dragon picture on there. We'll get the. <laughs> it's, it's a good movie, Jacob. You're wrong. Put your damn dragon movie on. <laughs> I like how Jacob called it a picture, like he was like channeling Martin Scorsese or something. <laughs> All right, well, Annihilation gets slid in there, which brings us to Chris. Your next pick. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm unprepared. Let's do. A bridge of spies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick another Spielberg movie, and that is Lincoln, which is uh, phenomenal. Uh, it could have been a stuffy biopic, and instead of doing a you know a full Lincoln life thing, it it picks out a certain chunk of his his time. Uh, the script by Tony Kushner is surprisingly hilarious it's so funny uh daniel day lewis is phenomenal as lincoln this cast is is through the roof it's like pretty much every every recognizable male character actor working today is in this movie i i i love lincoln i'm picking lincoln yeah chris would you you say that you want to put on this list now 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 yes (laughs) (laughs) i I think lincoln's the best spielberg movie of the past decade like unquestionably i there's no movie i I put on and enjoy. I like to luxuriate in this movie. It is really good actors playing frequently good people doing good things against really bad people. And that's just, and Hans Spielberg, that's so incredibly satisfying. See, I don't disagree with anything you guys said. Like, it is the best Spielberg. It has great performances. It's a phenomenal movie. But, like, I don't even care to ever watch it again. Uh, I think The Post is better than Lincoln personally, but I don't have a problem with Lincoln being put on this list. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it either. Yeah, I do think that the movie is best uh, by virtue of Daniel Day-Lewis's amazing performance. But, um, yeah, I don't have a problem with it on here. Yeah, so Peter, Peter, are you okay with this, Peter? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> All right. All right. Last Lincoln. Uh, next up is uh, Peter. You're up. I'm curious what people are going to say about this one. I don't think anybody else voted for this movie. 
but this is the movie I it's one of the movies I think I've seen the most. I've rewatched the most and I'm not sure what that says about me as a person, but uh, this is a 2014 film Nightcrawler from Dan Gilroy and this stars um, Jake Joan Hall and he is a what would you call him? He's like an ambulance chaser. Like he's chasing to try to get the story of like, uh, he's, he's not a journalist. He's a videographer who's trying to sell, uh, you know, if it like bleeds. Like a tabloid. Yeah. Uh, photographer. And it, it kind of shows the ethical uh, quandary of, of that profession. And also like, I, I feel like even though this is like a, a character study of this one guy, it's a great performance. It's so well shot it, it presents it's it's one of those movies that's up there with like drive of showing la like the nighttime la for what it is uh in in this decade and um but the thing about this i i feel like it speaks to a larger thing it, it speaks to us as journalists it speaks to documentary it, talk, it talks about reality shows you know it, it's speaking of like you know how we present things to tell the story that we want to tell and maybe not the story that exists, maybe the the better story that's going to uh, get more butts and seats, get more clicks. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really like Nightcrawler. Um, and it also has, uh, wasn't that like um, Riz, Oz, Riz Ahmed, uh, one of his first performances? Yeah, it was definitely his yeah. breakout role. Yeah. And, and Peter, this almost made my list. I agree. Uh, it, it, it barely missed my list. So I, I am totally cool with this being on our top 100. This one made my list. So I'm there with you, too. This one also almost made my list, um, but did not. But so I'm all for it as well. All right, here no more <laughs> objections. So that is um, Nightcrawler. Next up in the rotation is uh, HT. All right. Well, since we got the master in there, I have to go to bat for my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Phantom Thread. Uh, this is a gothic. Uh, romance slash comedy that I really enjoyed for its twisted depiction of the strange codependent relationship uh, that I think fulfills a lot of what gothic romance conventions try to do. It's very in the vein of Jane Eyre and Rebecca and gives a modern twisted sensibility to it in um, sort of deconstructing how poisonous and how toxic these kind of relationships really are. And um, Daniel Day-Lewis is excellent in it, uh, as is Vicky Creeps. Uh, and I just absolutely love this movie. I think it's hilarious, too. I did not expect it to be as much of a comedy as it is. And it's just the the Paul Thomas Anderson movie that I really enjoyed from the past decade. And uh, if you guys have a master on there, I am going to fight for this one. Phantom Thread. <laughs> uh... I have no... <laughs> Back I have no... I have no I, no, I I support Phantom Thread on this list. Yes. Yeah, I love I love Phantom Thread as well. Uh, I actually would, if we were ranking this, I would put it higher than the Master as well, and so I think it deserves to be on this list. Yeah. <sighs> I, I I didn't really like it much, and I hate saying that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a huge fan either. <laughs> I don't. Right, so, I mean, I guess I understand why you guys don't like it, but you guys are wrong. So whatever. Well, she likes dragon movies, uh, but in her defense. <laughs> Uh, Peter and uh, Ben, is, is this a area we're moved to the discussion zone, or do we? Is there an enthusiasm enough for you guys to level it up? Oh, God, there's so many more movies that we have to do, and I'm gonna be mad that we're gonna have to I, cut I, something. I say we're, I, we're approving so much. I say put it in discussion. Like I don't think no. it's like out. No, 
put it put it in discussion and honestly every every paul thomas anderson movie released in the last decade should be on the list i'm just going to say that right now and if you disagree you are wrong all right with 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 one third of the table saying it should be put into discussion i'm moving it there for now ht pick again all right fine well (laughs) i am not prepared for this one so i'm just going to look through and figure out what i'm going to put in and i guess i'll put this one probably will go up uh creed uh this is the movie that rebooted the rocky franchise starred michael b jordan as uh um adonis creed the son of apollo creed and uh kind of followed the vein of force awakens in uh creating sort of this reboot Cool, um, but creating its own story and hitting a lot of those nostalgic notes, but doing it in a way that made almost a, a much better film than a lot of the Rocky films. Not as probably as good as the first Rocky, but Ryan Coogler really puts his own timely modern spin on this and makes it feel so um, energetic and alive and now. And uh, Michael B. Jordan is excellent in this role as well, as is Sylvester Stallone, who gives a real a uh, wary performance that I really enjoyed and didn't expect to see uh, from him. So that's Creed. Made my list. It's great. Love it. I approve. I just looked and this was not on my list, but it should have been. So I approve as well. <laughs> yeah. Brad, I know, you, I know Brad loved this movie, right? I do love Creed. Yeah, I, actually, I don't have any problem with this uh, being on there at all because Creed uh, was definitely in my uh, list for negotiation, just did not crack the top 50. Chris, why do you hate Creed? Creed is on my list. I don't hate it. <laughs> okay. Wait, is Creed on everyone's list? It was on half of our list. Uh, but it sounds like more people... It's like every, I think everybody likes Creed. You have yeah. to make the list. So, uh, Okay, Brad, you're up next. Okay, uh, you know what? I uh, I don't see any horror on this list yet. So I'm going to go to bat for Cabin in the Woods. Uh, having just recently rewatched it, my mind was refreshed with just how brilliant this movie was. Uh, I love how it plays with the tropes of horror movies and does something original with them. Uh, I think the cast is outstanding. I think that it's very funny while also being incredibly horrific and suspenseful and bloody and has so many cool uh, horror movie references. Uh, I love Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins in this movie. It's It's just a great movie that kind of encompasses all of what horror is and plays with it in a way that is as brilliant as what Wes Craven did with Scream, I think. Yeah, this is going to be my next pick, Brad. I think this is a horror movie about horror movies, which sounds like it could be, you know, pretentious, but it's not. It's an absolute blast, and it's just the idea that in the Cabin in the Woods universe, every single horror movie you've ever seen uh, is also a Cabin in the Woods sequel is yeah. fascinating and wonderful. This is yeah. a this is one of my favorite movies of the past 10 years. It's great. Any objections? No. No, I like Cabin in the Woods. It's good. Okay, Cabin in the Woods. So next up is me. Like I said, I was going to pick Cabin in the Woods next, so I have to move on. I want to go with the uh, best live-action Wes Anderson movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, This is just an encapsulation of everything Anderson's been building toward, his sort of dollhouse aesthetic, his use of stop motion for backgrounds, the use of colors and different aspect ratios to maximize or minimize what you're looking at. And in a decade like this, there's probably nothing more important than a movie about the rise of fascism where everybody is too concerned about themselves to see it coming 
and let total idiots gain power in a way that starts truly hurting and damaging people in society. So it's a bitter pill smuggled into this really frothy, beautiful, fun Wes Anderson film. And I think this is, it's only got two votes from us, but I think that we should reconsider this and it should be in the top 100. I had Moonrise Kingdom on my list, but I am going to change it to support you and Grand Budapest Hotel because this movie is really good. I was the second vote for Grand Budapest Hotel, and I do think it's the superior Wes Anderson film of the two on the list. So, yes. Anyone else? Put it on there. I like this movie. I just didn't put it on my list. Okay, that's Grand Budapest Hotel locking in to the top 100. Well, as we expected, this is running much longer than we thought it would. So uh, welcome to a marathon series, guys. We're going to have a cliffhanger here. Uh, we have a little over 30 films locked in. We're going to hopefully finish this tomorrow with a second episode. Uh, so I'm going to hand the baton back to Peter, who will sign us off, and come back tomorrow as we finalize our list. And I think we're all very tired and need to take a little breather. So, Peter, to you. Yeah, who, who thought I was going to take this long? I don't know. Uh, oh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast published every weekday at iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. I promise we will get back to the news when the news gets back to us because it's holiday season and things are slow. But uh, we're going to have some some good specials for you coming up. Uh, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.